0: There was a recent study by LinkedIn that started to look at as more traditional roles declined within um, journalism and media as a whole, um, looking at where new roles were sort of um, starting to pop up. And I think there are a lot of different opportunities now for people in journalism, but in sort of journalism-adjacent roles, I guess. So I guess you would call my role journalism-adjacent.
1: Hello, and welcome to Freelance Pod. My name's Sachandrika Chakrapati, and I'll be your host. Freelance Pod is all about how the internet has revolutionised work. Each week, I'll speak to someone working in a creative field and ask them how their industry has moved from an analogue to a digital age, or how the internet has invented their job. If you like what we're talking about in the podcast, please do get involved on social. You can find Freelance Pod on Instagram as Pod on twitter is at freelance underscore pod underscore there's a facebook group called freelance pod and you can also sign up for the newsletter the url is in the show notes don't forget that the success of this podcast relies on you the listeners if you do enjoy it please do rate review and subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts also known as itunes this means that other listeners will find out that this podcast exists and they'll come and join us too So welcome to the second part of my interview with Twitter's Director for Curation, Joanna Geary. Back in the first episode, which is worth having a listen to before this one I'd say, I spoke to Joanna about her career in reporting and working on newspapers, starting with the Birmingham Post and then going over to the Times and the Guardian, which are rapidly becoming digital. She also sets up the London chapter of Hacks Hackers, which is where journalists and developers get to meet each other and talk. And moving over to Twitter was, as she will say on this episode, a way of her getting to advocate for journalism in a tech setting as opposed to advocating for tech in a journalism setting. And she also gets to see inside all of the newsrooms within the UK, or certainly her first role at Twitter allowed her to do that. And that was part of the reason why she left a newsroom, which was tough for her, and moved over to a tech company. And Joanna also has some tips um, if you're thinking of doing the same thing at the end of the episode. So uh, here she is. And um, yes, if you've not listened to part one, that was last week's episode. Do go and have a listen. And then, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go with Joanna from her years at The Guardian uh, from 2013 onwards to Twitter and the present day.
0: I caveat this with I've only really gone through one major structural change in my career. Uh, this move to digital, but I think there's sort of a, a, two phases that really stand out within this that change, and one is um, when you have early adopters and you start getting this sort of euphoric idealism towards the new technology and the possibilities of of what can be presented um, by this new technology, um, and that is an incredibly seductive, incredibly exciting time to be in a group of people during great change. Um, And what comes out of that is usually very, very like rapid experimentation, uh, lots of picking some things up, looking at them, dropping them again, picking something else up, having a go of it. Um, And then I think that becomes a period of time as technology starts to become more familiar, where you sort of go through the difficult teenage years where you're you're then sort of asking yourself like how valuable is this really? Like how much can this be used in the sort of idealistic way that we were hoping it could be used? what What is the actual implementation of this? How hard is it going to be? And I think it's fair to say that the answer for many of those things is very hard indeed. Um, and then you're going on this journey from something that's like this incredibly new, exciting, just discovered thing to being uh, something that you're moving towards a kind of more mass adoption in terms of society and like being able to figure out how that changes things and what you want, what you what you're hoping the end goal can be. If that makes sense, um, and it's a different sort of skill set and it's a little bit more gritty um, and it's a little bit tougher in a way, I think. Um, and I think being able to learn that you're moving from one to the other is really important. Um, and I noticed that switch happening while I was at the times and the guardian. Um, and sometimes I noted that I was trying to switch, but it made me so dull <laughs> compared to that very exciting, experimental, sparky time that it was difficult to bring people along with me. Um, and learning how to bring people with you, and what you're kind of saying is, okay, now we need to do the grown-up thing and figure out not just like how we can do the fun, sparkly stuff related to this, but actually how we make it work—kind of a business or a production or a process like learning how to bring people along with you on that journey. That's, that's a key element of the change that I think, um, has been important for me to focus on and to learn. Um, I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it, but if you're going to be in any way leading through change, you need to have some sort of concept of how to do it. And I think as well, we're, and when I say we, I mean like the news industry, um, it is it's sort of run by fomo right <laughs> if, if people do not people yeah we 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 constantly if you if you've been a journalist you've been a journalist because you want to know what's going on and you don't want to be missing out on things and i think when the pace of change is this fast it's it's so easy to sort of like go well what's the next thing what's the next thing what's the next thing without actually trying to figure out what what good these things actually are um for audiences. Like what do they actually do? And how does it help? And how does it hinder? Where in our storytelling is this actually useful? And I think, you know, that still that's still a thing we're working out. Um, but I think it takes a it definitely takes a different mindset to so the mindset that perhaps I had when I was when I was back experimenting thing, things, which was just a much freer like we have no idea. We're just going to give it a go, see what happens. Um, so I do think we've moved into a different era in that respect. So as social and community editor of the Guardian, which had responsibility for the community coordinators, you sat with the the editorial desk and the the moderating team, um, and. I mean, when I joined The Guardian, I didn't join The Guardian in that role. It was sort of a role that sort of evolved through various different reasons. But um, I, I had pretty much reached one of those points that I talked about earlier where I'm like, well, there is literally nowhere else to go. This is, this is my job. This is what I get to do. I'm really, you know, I was excited. I was challenge, very challenged in the role. Like, I had tons of plans and things I wanted to achieve. And so when I got this, um, actually a LinkedIn email from from Twitter um, asking, you know, would I be interested in a partnerships role? I I dismissed it. I was was flattered um, enough to mention it to my then boyfriend um, and said, you know, isn't that cool? Uh, They might be interested. Um, But I had no like instinct to follow up on it um sorry twitter um thankfully my uh, my boyfriend turned around and said what are you doing <laughs> why you why are you thinking that you just reject this out of hand like you don't have a company that's as interesting as that approach you and not at least talk to them which was pretty good advice if you have an interesting company approach you even if you don't think you're going to take the job <laughs> to go talk to them. I can thoroughly recommend that. Um, And I think as I started to talk to them about the role, I started to realise what a really interesting potential next step it was for me. And while I hadn't felt ready to take a new step, um, I could see that I wouldn't have very many opportunities to see across and into every newsroom in the UK. And that was the something that the partnerships role at Twitter offered. It was like an MBA in like newsrooms. I could go in, I could ask questions. I could find out more about what people were doing and where I was, I was always kind of in my like isolated bubble of like the one publication, whether it was the times or the guardian. Um, And that started to sound really exciting to me. And I realized that why I rejected it out of hand was because Twitter wasn't a news organization. And I had so firmly embedded uh, working in news as part of my identity that I couldn't imagine stepping out of somewhere that didn't have the classic sense of a newsroom. In fact, I was scared of it. I was scared of not thinking that I could call myself a journalist anymore. I was scared of how other people might judge me. Um, And I thought of it as like a one-way ticket out of the thing that I had spent all my life trying to become. Um, And so I ended up realizing that I needed to, um, as I kept talking to Twitter, realizing how excited I was about the role, I needed to sit down and do a for and against um, sort of piece of paper on like why I would take the job and why I wouldn't. And what came out was the only thing on the why I wouldn't was that fear of judgment of leaving a newsroom. Now, I hadn't worked as a reporter at that stage. I mean, we're talking 2013. Um, I probably hadn't worked as a traditional reporter for about five years at that point. So, the idea that the only thing that was keeping me was walking into a place that traditionally called <laughs> themselves a newsorg and that had something that was traditionally called a newsroom, it didn't seem strong enough for me not to to move. Um, and so I realized that I had to kind of just tackle that fear of judgment and tackle that fear of moving into something that was journalism adjacent um and do it. Um and very um luckily I got the job and um very luckily uh I had a sensible boyfriend now husband who got me to reconsider my position and I took it and I have not regretted it one single second It's absolutely been the right thing to do so i joined twitter in 2013 um and around just after the election in 2015 um i was approached by one of my colleagues in the u.s uh, Asking if I knew anyone who could take on this really interesting new role on a project that was codenamed Project Lightning within Twitter. So it was it was pretty much sold as we need better discovery on Twitter, and we need to have um, a way for to help people make sense of some of the biggest conversations that are going on. Um, especially um, around conversations that they may not necessarily find out about through their own home timeline, and so the idea was we wanted to create a product that had a different visual experience um, and a different um, um, a different functionality that allowed people to either sort of catch up with something or be or be made up aware of something that they might not have found out about otherwise that was on the platform or follow along with something as it was happening um and so um there had been a sort of investigation on how best to do that and it was it was decided that it needed a combination of of algorithmic work but also human curation and um I was approached saying, do you, do you want to get involved in building out the human curation side of this? Which, the more I looked into it, the more I thought about it, the more excited I was about it. Because it was just not something that Twitter had historically had any sort of background in and you know didn't necessarily have a strong vision for how it was going to look. So there was a real opportunity to start again from the ground up on a project um which i hadn't really had that experience for for a little while at that point um, and that was really exciting also the opportunity was to build teams um so the role that was presented to me was a mayor lead which meant i had the opportunity to build out teams focused on the uk but in other languages as well um with a second um, with some spanish focus for the second team and then um, and um, A Middle East, North Africa team focused on Arabic language. So again, um, out of my comfort zone, but something really exciting and new and very clearly at a cross section between technology and media, which felt like a comfortable and exciting home for me. So the way I would look at it these days is Moments is one of the many product surfaces that the curation team... um, touches as part of their work it's one of the most important um, and highly visual but it's not the only one so the way i would see curation today is we're we're a particular function within the twitter product and we're there to act as a bridge between what we can do what we what what we can do algorithmically in terms of curation and what customers are expecting the product to be able to present to them So a good example of that is um, um, we uh, might be able to do really great discovery of some of the big conversations that are bubbling up on the platform, but it might not be so easy to algorithmically detect the most contextual and substantive explaining tweets that exist as part of that conversation. So if you want to showcase what's happening to people and help explain, I don't know, a trend such as Kofefe, how do you how do you find the right tweets to explain Covfefe? And that's where my team comes in. And so we we're able to overlay um, context onto um, what's already being sort of elevated and discovered by algorithms. often what you find when lots of change is happening very quickly especially in technology is that the people that are advocating for it are often young um and certainly um what was interesting about social media was there was quite a lot of young women who were in those positions um And um, they haven't necessarily held positions within the newsroom that would typically garner the respect of of a newsroom in terms of, um, you know, experience and reporting. And so it was difficult, I think, to make your voice heard. You were often kind of supported by management, but that doesn't necessarily make your life easier in all situations. Um, in fact, sometimes it can make your life harder if you're parachuted in by uh, senior management as a, as a young professional to talk about the all the changes um, that uh, they want the newsroom to um, embody. So I, I definitely wouldn't say it was the easiest role Um, and I think as other people have probably told you um, when you're in those sorts of positions it's the people that um, understand what you're trying to achieve and support you or are just excited to experiment that become incredibly valuable people for you to know Um, And you hold on to them very tightly um, because they become the advocates and the champions within the groups of people that perhaps traditionally you wouldn't have been able to influence um, just because of who you are and what your background is. So um, I do do think um, that made for a really interesting dynamic. Um, I think I often blame myself um, for not being able to affect change that actually I was placing too much responsibility on myself to do. Um, You can only advocate so far. Um, And there are just, there were just always going to be people that weren't necessarily interested. Um, And I think another thing is you, your ability to influence is sort of tied into your ability to present a winning formula to people. So, um, that's difficult when what you're trying to talk about is a new area where ultimately a lot of it is experimental. So, interestingly, I think um, let's talk about Twitter. It's something I knew a lot about. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the things really started taking off in 2009 around Twitter. And that wasn't because there was no one in newsrooms um, making the case for using it. Before that, there were. There were people in 2007 and 2008. But what happened in 2009 was that a number of people who were in more traditional roles within within newsrooms started to find benefit in being on the platform um, and seeing it as as a competitive edge. Both for building audience and maybe also for finding stories as well, and I think that really, really helps uh, people who were in roles like me to be able to show. You know, it's not just this. Uh, it's just not. It's not just the the geeky young girl in the corner telling you that this is important. There are um, people who have had similar careers to you or are working in similar roles to you that are finding a benefit from this, and that was always. Way more um, effective <laughs> as a as a way of demonstrating the the, the benefits of change than it was mean just theorising why this was going to be such a uh, a pivotal change um, in the way that journalists were doing their work. So I think I learnt as much from where. I couldn't move forward as where well, where I did. <laughs> so um, I remember, um, in terms of a, a really sort of significant moment, was um, when we um, launched Guardian Witness, and there was a lot of questions of would people submit, you know, user generated content to directly to a newspaper in this this way when social media platforms were so much easier to post to. And within the first week, we were getting. Um, some pretty um, intense and um, impactful um, user-generated content. I think we got an eyewitness from the stabbing in Woolwich. Um, I don't know if you remember that. There was a stabbing on a bus that was sent directly to the Guardian. Um, And I think that was a really... big moment realizing that actually we had produced something that could be incredibly useful both to the newsroom and to, to the platform in general. Um, So that was, that was really exciting. Um, Sometimes um, victories were small. Um, I remember realizing that um, one of the things that caused a lot of thrash within the organization was, when people took out senior members of staff, people from tech companies took out senior members of staff for dinner and made them feel concerned that they weren't using the, that person's tech platform and well enough. Um, and it used to cause a lot of um, anxiety. And I remember people coming in and sort of coming over to my desk and say, what's our strategy for platform X? Or why aren't we using platform Y more? Or have you seen what this newspapers doing with uh platform a um and i remember realizing that like um there was a real real need to combat that thrash in order for us to progress um and i used to there were, um, i got to the point where i used to write out a little briefing of like these are the things that you've probably been asked to do by platform a and these are the reasons why we're not doing it <laughs> Um, But these are the things we are doing with Platform A because we know that it's going to help us in this way and this way and this way. I did that for a couple of of the tech companies at the time, and that really, really helped me. And I know that sounds like such a strange thing to count as a small victory, but just being able to bring that clarity and then repeat it to stop the sort of constant fear that we were missing out in some way, shape, or form was really useful because it helped people kind of focus on developing the things that mattered. And then I think um, you move from a newsroom where everyone is really focused on, well, everyone's really focused on the news, first and foremost. Um, There's like, uh, you know, if you're in the middle of a newsroom, you've definitely signed up to caring about, you know, um, making sure that people – Um, understand the news and see the news or are engaged in it and you're very engaged in it yourself Um, and that's not always true of everyone else in the world (laughs) so being able to see that from the outside of a newsroom was a big surprise more of a surprise than it should have been I think Um, and then um, again if I thought that the Guardian had turned the treadmill up to 11 like I was on to about 16 By the time I moved to Twitter in the way that people were thinking, the way that um, the way that people wanted to be entrepreneurial, wanted to be experimental, wanted to try new things um, was really, really exciting. And it was incredibly um, refreshing, I think, to be in an organization where I was starting to realize that my job was to advocate for journalism and not to advocate for digital technologies (laughs) Um, I think that I didn't embrace digital technologies because that was the most important interest that I had. Like I always did it because I thought it was a route and an important route to get people's stories out. And so, um, being given that opportunity to stop having to advocate for the technology and start advocating for the stories was, um, was really good for me. <laughs> um, it's something that I enjoy much more. Um, and I hadn't anticipated that to be a part of it. Um, I joined Twitter because after... after I hadn't intended to join Twitter, <laughs> but... Um, having been given the opportunity to to come and find out more about them and the work of a partnership manager I suddenly realized it gave me this great opportunity to stick my nose into every newsroom in the UK um and that was um that felt like a luxury like there's not many roles given the competitiveness of UK media where you can do that um so that was pretty exciting um and it helped me to understand you know I was not alone when it came to some of the things that I thought were um, were problems that I was suffering from when it came to digital change. Um, so that was very useful. It helped me to understand where we were as an industry rather than just individual publications when it came to thinking about digital and how different people were and at different stages they were at um, and how their organisations got in the way of them in different ways (laughs) or supported them in different ways as well. There was a recent study by LinkedIn that started to look at as more traditional roles declined within um, journalism and media as a whole, um, looking at where new roles were sort of um, starting to pop up. And I think there are a lot of different opportunities now for people in journalism, but in sort of journalism adjacent roles, I guess. So I guess you would call my role journalism adjacent. Um, In terms of, are those roles going to be suited to you? Is that something that you might want to follow? I guess my three bits of advice are, one, ask yourself what really keeps you getting up and going to work every single day in a newsroom because I think we all assume that everyone's there for the same reasons, but they're really not. Um, Some people are there for the writing, the ability to um, control how to tell a story. Other people are there um, for other reasons. I was there because I enjoyed being part of connecting other people's stories with the world, but I didn't necessarily need or want to do that writing myself. Um, other people are there because they enjoy the pace of it, the challenge of it. Um, some enjoy the political wranglings. There's all sorts of different um, reasons why you're in a newsroom, and understanding yours is really important for deciding when to take the next step. Then I would say go talk to people because jobs are starting to appear all the time that have never really been there before. You know, you, th- you think about. Products such as Data Miner, the breaking news detection tool, and some of the people that work there, helping to improve the algorithms or think about breaking news detection and how that um, works. I mean, that's if you're interested in product and development, like that is potentially a really interesting avenue to you. Or maybe you know you enjoy relationship building, and um, you might want to talk to people who work in partnership management within other organisations as well. So go talk to as many people as you can in as many different jobs, because tech again is not homogenous. There's um, um, a wide variety of different things that you can do that you might find out actually cater for the thing you love most of all. Um, and then third is, I think once you know what gets you to work every morning stop listening to the part of your brain that worries about what other people think. I think I I spent a lot of time worrying about the fact that I was going to walk out of journalism and I wasn't going to be a journalist anymore. And I'd spent all my life wanting to be a journalist and wanting to be um, part of that club. Um, And so that was the biggest barrier to moving out and into tech and it's the thing I worry least about these days. It's just not on my radar because I was very lucky that I've ended up in a position that completely caters to the things I care about the most and want to be able to help solve for, um, for technology, sure, but um, importantly for journalism. The best thing about my role is how incredibly Exciting the challenges are and how incredibly global and diverse and interesting the people are that I work with to try and solve those challenges and some of the less good things come from how big the challenges are and how incredibly diverse and different the team of people are that come together to solve those challenges (laughs) and I wouldn't have it any other way
1: Thanks so much to Joanna Geary for giving me so much of her time and taking me through her career. I hope you'd agree it was absolutely fascinating and um, a really great reflection of how the news industry has dealt with the internet over the past nearly two decades. It's uh, been a time of change. Well, that's it for another episode of Freelance Pod. If you enjoyed what we talked about in this episode, please do get involved on social. You can find Freelance Pod on Instagram as at Freelance Pod, On Twitter is at Freelance underscore pod underscore. There's a Facebook group called Freelance Pod and you can also sign up for the newsletter. The URL is in the show notes. Don't forget that the success of this podcast relies on you, the listeners. If you do enjoy it, please do rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes. This means that other listeners will find out that this podcast exists and they'll come and join us too. That's it for now. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye.